0: the Real Rural Women's Leadership podcast series. This project is funded through the Department of Agriculture, Water and Environment. It is led by Care Boulogne in St. George, Boulogne Shire in southwest Queensland in conjunction with a team of researchers led by Dr. Sarah Casey at the University of the Sunshine Coast. The team includes Dr. Gail Crimmins, Dr. Saskia de Klerk and Dr. Karen Hands alongside Professor Jackie Hewitt from Griffith University. This podcast series is about building women's capacity, empowerment, strategic communication and business leadership skills. This series is eclectic. We interview community and business leaders, entrepreneurs, academics, communication and media experts, an empowerment and confidence leader and CEOs, the agitators and the advocates. Our hope is that this series might act as an inspiration and information toolkit for others. You can find more information about our project at www.realruralwomensleadership.com. All episodes contain show notes about the guests with links to their stories. So settle in and enjoy the series as together we chat with these remarkable women.
1: Dr. Sarah Casey here from the Real Rural Women's Leadership team. Today I'm chatting with the force who is Julia Spicer. Julia grew up on the family farm in southwest Queensland and now lives in Gundawindi. She runs Engage and Create Consulting and is a passionate supporter of rural businesses, innovation, and for women having a seat at the table. Julia has a background in environmental science, has worked in sustainable agriculture and natural resource management projects, and with traditional owners. Julia chats to me in this podcast about her passion for the southwest of Queensland and Triple R Australia broadly. She's not only a businesswoman, but an advocate for communities and for other women. What I like about Julia is her vision as well as her generosity of spirit to share her story and to support others. Have a listen to this smart, community-focused leader who sat down and chatted with me in late 2021. Hello. Welcome to Julia Spicer from Engage and Create in Gundawindi. How are you? I'm really well, Sarah. How are you? Good, thank you. Hopefully we'll get through this before the storm takes hold. It's flooding out there at the moment. It is. It is flooding at the moment,
2: which is, apart from some of the damage that it causes, it is one of those things where we we deal with some short-term pain for some long-term gain. So,
1: yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. So I just wanted to ask you, who are you? I know it's a big question to start with, but who are you? What do you do? How did you end up where you are today?
2: Yeah, great. So first of all, can I just acknowledge you and the team that you're working with, who are part of this fantastic project and and the work that you're doing? I think it's really important that we have any make the most of any avenue we have to get stories out about rural and regional women. So thank you very much. And I guess that kind of is already a bit of an indication as to who I am. I have grown up in southwest Queensland the majority of my life on a family farm north of Roma. I'm the eldest of three kids. I come from a fairly typical family where mum was not from the land and and met my dad and and married and realised that she would be moving back to this family property in, in southwest Queensland. And So that was even really an interesting thing growing up. You know, we all were very attached to the land in a different way to how my mum was. And so even growing up as girls, I have a sister and... You know, she was very much girls can do anything and yet at that stage in the early 80s that was probably not necessarily how agriculture or regional communities were really set up. So what we were told and what we saw sometimes didn't always add up and I think that probably was something that has meant that I have maybe a bit by default but certainly grown up always making sure that the role of women in business, in community, in leadership, has always been recognised and so whether that was me being a voice on behalf of others or whether it was me making sure that there were more women at the table, I guess that's always been a real drive for me because I think we're better when we're all involved apart from anything else. So so my belief is very much that community benefits when we all contribute and that doesn't happen if half the population is not engaged, is not allowed, a voice, is not considered to be at the table, and. And so often it, it means that it's not that women weren't allowed at the table, but the time of conversation, the, the topic, the whatever, whatever, just made it impossible for women to be there. So, you know, I've had lots of conversations over the years with, you know, ag groups or land care groups or business chambers who were like, oh, we can't get any young women to meetings. And I'm like, well... Isn't, I don't have kids, but I'm pretty sure they call this witching hour. Who can come to a meeting at, you know, 6 o'clock on a weeknight? That's just not going to be realistic to get women involved. So, it, yeah, it's one of those things where I think it's always been in me, Sarah, uh, even from a young child, to really uh, look at how we can make sure that women in particular are involved and engaged at a regional community level. So that's certainly a bit about where I have come from. I now live in Gundawindi. I came for a three-month contract about 15 years ago, I think. I have a background in environmental science, but I guess my focus, regardless of what job I've had, has always been around how do we have really viable and vibrant communities? How do people contribute? How are pe- people you know, economically rewarded for that? It's not bad that we make money. And and how do we actually feel that we've got a sense of control over our communities? And so whether it was land care groups or now in my own business, I guess that's sort of my area of passion, so to speak.
1: Oh, fantastic. So I, I love what you said there, engage. So you want seats at the table for, for other women, but also to change the conversation. So engage and create. Is that how you came up with the name for your business? Yeah, it was a little bit
2: actually, Sarah. I had lots of people tell me it was too long and it certainly is if I'm trying to spell my email address. But I guess <laughs> the reality is what we want to be able to do is engage in a conversation or a project or a policy conversation or whatever it is. We want to engage with people and we want to create a better outcome and, and that was really the driver for how I wanted to call
1: the business. Fantastic. So you've been working in Gundawindi for 15 years now. You. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about engaging and Create in a second, but you worked in environmental science before.
2: Yeah, so, I yeah. So I worked with the Land Care and Catchment Group, so I did an environmental science degree at Gatton and spent time working in the horticulture industry for a few years straight out of uni and decided that if I was going to head off to national lettuce conferences and spend time working on projects about diseases in carrots. I probably needed to know more about them or at least eat them and realised that I had spent time at uni on a topic I really enjoyed and it was time for me to find a job in that sector. Uh, So I moved to Mitchell in southwest Queensland and worked with the Landcare and with with Mitchell Landcare Group uh, there and it was fantastic. It was so great. I had a group of landholders who were on a committee so they were all volunteer committee managing this you know uni student who had moved out we worked on uh, sustainable ag and natural resource management projects we worked with traditional owners we worked with council you know we worked on a whole range of really innovative projects and programs with mla and a whole range of people what was the rural industries research development corporation at that stage we set up the first and only macropod harvesting co-op between roo shooters and landholders it was just brilliant and and some of the some of the women that were part of that you know were absolute um mentors and trailblazers for me at that stage and certainly yeah it was a great community to be part of and and really really enjoyed that and learned so much from from people out there and then it was through that work that I ended up running some projects in Gundawindi and moving to work with the land care and catchment
1: groups across sort of Southwest Queensland, but based in Gundawindi. So fantastic. So you're really passionate. You're a part of the Southwest Queensland community. You're well known throughout Australia, through rural circles, rural, regional and remote circles, particularly in Queensland. How important was that mentorship from other Ooh. women? Hell yeah, important. look, it was
2: really important, and I don't want to discredit the fellas today either. It was it was a very, I find it a really interesting, particularly in agriculture, which is a fairly still male-dominated, we've got some fabulous female leadership across agriculture, but it is still a fairly blokey industry, but, you know, in general. And so it was a really interesting experience trying to start a career in, you know, land care and catchment work at that stage where I didn't fall into the sort of, granddaughter or quasi-niece type, you know, I didn't kind of end up seeing all of these guys as father figures or what, you know, it was a really interesting, I didn't want to be too blokey, I didn't want to be too flirty, you know, it's a really, it's, and we've all seen, we've all seen different ways that women try and blend and fit in around tables sometimes, and, and that is a real challenge, and so it was great for me to be able to have some women and they were wives of men who were on the committee or they were counsellors on the council at that stage whatever it might have been it was really important to for me to have women that I could see working in a workspace and really being true to themselves because that helped me kind of work out how I could you know I could do that I'm not a super feminine person but I also don't want to be you know, around conversations that are a bit blokey and a bit sexist. You know, so I found having mentors, both women and men, who could help me work out how I could authentically act in a work environment, and then authentically work in a community environment as a volunteer for different groups. I found that re- you don't realize it when you're when you're in your early twenties, and that that's what people are doing. But looking back, I absolutely had support from, you know, there was a lady at the council, there was a female councillor on um, Baringa Action, uh, Baringa Shire Council at that stage. There were, you know, women in the community who really I could go to for, for ideas and advice and just ask some of those questions. So I think it's, it's really important and I hope, you know, in this day and age I get to kind of pay some of
1: that back a little bit with the work that I do. That's what I was about to come to you next. I think you pay it for. You support other women. You have women working with you. Tell me about engage and create. What is it exactly that you do? We're not exactly well, we're,
2: we are incredibly sexist, Sarah. I don't think I will ever employ a fella. Not not because they wouldn't do the work. Yeah, look, I think we are incredibly lucky in regional centres that we have highly highly intelligent women. I I often say that. Blokes in rural areas do a fabulous job of finding intelligent women and getting them to marry them and moving them to far-flung parts of the world. And and I'm and I, and really crudely, I get to take advantage of that in my day job now because I find I had a lady, Lauren, working with me for a long time who married a guy at Warialda, had a background in journalism, knew everybody connected to anybody in TV, radio, all of the rest of it. Uh, and she ended up at Worry and got connected to me somehow or other. And at the end of the day, we write grants for businesses. So if she knows how to write and she can structure an argument and she can tell a story and she can spell, that was all I really needed. So we've really been able to take advantage of people, women particularly, wanting to try and do something different and ending up in a, in a geographic area maybe that they weren't expecting to. So Uh, Tess is an ex-high school teacher, Lauren was a journalist, I've had an interior designer, I've had a lady who's worked in admin and that's great and then we can be really flexible you know you and I do fantastic work but we're not brain surgeons it can happen between nine and three if that means that somebody can work for a few days a week while kids are at school or I can be flexible over school holidays we know when they're coming so we can make you know we can make the make the business work around the people who want to work in it and who are passionate about it and who are engaged and connected. So for me it's very much a values based business. We can find the right people if they and 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 work the logistics of, you know, what they do around who they are and how they want to show up for for their own communities. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. That's great. And it, it's growing, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Along with my anxiety, no, it, it has. And I mean, again, it can shrink when it needs to. But at the moment, there's, there's too many fun projects happening for me to keep saying no to things. So, yeah, it has grown. And so there's, there's four of us on the team at the moment. Oh, that's wonderful.
1: And it's place. Place can often be an area of disadvantage or, or be perceived as one, whether it's digital divide or otherwise, or, you know, just geographic. But is place an impediment to what you do? It's
2: not. It's not. And I think COVID, if regional Australia can't, you know, leverage off COVID as a way to encourage people to move to more regional centres, then we've really missed it. If a global pandemic isn't going to make people realise how great it is to live out here, then we've we've missed an opportunity. It's not an impediment, no. And, and again, there's work that we say no to sometimes because it's it's in Brisbane or Sydney or Melbourne or Toowoomba even, just up the road, and it's not that we can't do the work, we just don't really want to. It's yeah. It's not, you know, it's, we'd rather work, I'd rather work in Quilpie than Brisbane. I would rather, personally... Um, and that's because I get people in Quilping more than I get them in Brisbane, for example. Or I think I've got more to offer. So it's not that we can't do the work in Brisbane. We're intelligent enough, we're connected enough, all of the rest of it. We just don't want to. So I think, you know, I am super passionate about rural and regional Australia and particularly this Southwest Queensland pocket. And one of the ways that I can show that is where I, do, where I do work and where I say no to work. And so, I mean, it is sometimes a challenge if, if, we're in a, if we were a very targeted technical business that needed a specific set of skills, that's challenging. You know, our community could do with lots of engineers and lots of mechanics at the moment and physically they need to be in Gundawindi. That's not really the case for my business, and so you know I have Jane Vincent who works with me. She lives north of Roma. We went together many moons ago. She can be based
1: up there and do the work. That's that's fine. So your heart is in the southwest of Queensland, but you could work anywhere. You can work anywhere. But that's great. I love that you talk about the values based business and an authenticity, and I think trust comes into that. What is it so about the southwest? because a lot of our work is in the southwest what is it about the southwest that makes it so special
2: look again i guess what i'm about to rattle off there would be people listening to this who are like well hold on a second that's the same as the southeast corner of wa or that's the same as northern victoria or whatever but which i think is great but i think for me what i love about this region is and i think it is a common thing for regional people is we just have the ability to cut through and, and quickly work out what needs to be done and, and get on with it, you know. And, and again, you know, we often say, you know, we're not trees. I, I'm i not a tree. I don't live in Gundawindi because there's nowhere else to live. I live here because I really want to live here. And I, I could live anywhere else but I choose to live here and I think that's a really important frame of mind for people to have regionally. So I, so I think as a as a region, I think we've got incredibly innovative and talented people who are, you know, really starting to look at how they can create the next chapter, what does the next decade or what does the next evolution of this region look like. I think we do cut through and we just get on with it. I think we're incredibly supportive. Like I think as a region we really can help each other, we really help each other out. And I think we've seen that with a lot of the natural disasters. I think we saw it a lot with, you know, through COVID. So, you know, there's really not a lot of difference between St George and Gundawindi. We're not really competing with each other on anything and therefore we've got the opportunity to support each other. And I reckon I see a lot of that across this broader southwest region, which is pretty great.
1: And, and can you think of some outstanding women in the southwest that you
2: want oh, to... Oh, my God, how long do <laughs> we, we have? Women. I know you will be interviewing lots of them. So let me, I mean, I've let me do a smattering. And for all of the people I i mentioned, there'll be 10 others that I haven't. And I'm going to start in the West and, and work East. So Samantha Morant is a young woman out at Cunnamulla. There's nothing she can't do. She's an artist. She started businesses. She runs training and workshops. She does strategic support for people, all of this sort of stuff. She's got two young kids, they've got a family business, you know, like she's just having a crack and and trying what she can do and looking at the life that she can create for her family and herself in Cunnamulla. So I just, I think Samantha's a great example of um, somebody in that sort of mid to late 20s probably, uh, who's really saying that. You know, I'm an artist and I don't, you know, I can do anything that I want to from Canamala. I will never sit on one of these and not mention the, somebody like Liz Hill, who you and I both know. Liz is Love pretty Liz. much southwest Queensland. There's pretty much not anything that doesn't happen that Liz hasn't been part of or hasn't helped to connect and, and promote. And, and, again, she saw a need. She saw that things were happening across a region and people didn't know about it. She saw that people were slipping through cracks sometimes and weren't getting the information that they needed. And she saw that community wasn't as connected as perhaps people um, wanted to be or thought they were, and and that was pretty much how Southwest Connect started. And you know she's been involved with a whole lot of community projects. So Liz Hill at Thallon, um, we love with- Liz Hill. We're interviewing her yeah. for this. I mean, yeah. we talked about Robin Fermeister before. Look at right. the great work that. Um, Mayor Samantha O'Toole at Balanchai Council is doing you know I look at the work that Nikki Thompson has done over the years at Echo Farm and the work that she's been involved with at Roma Camille Johnson who's been Golden West in Roma for I was going to say 15 years but Camille's a lot younger than me so that can't be the case but we just have got um, it is a very interesting thing Sarah and it's, it's very interesting. So, so this might be a bit controversial, but, you know, a lot of people talk about Toowoomba and Toowoomba is incredibly blokey. It is still very much a boys club in Toowoomba. And yet you look at who is running Toowoomba. You have Kate Venables, who's the CEO of Catholic Care. You have April Kavanagh, who's based there, who's the national agribusiness manager for Suncorp. You have Deb Bailey, who's running uh, Toowoomba Clubhouse. You've got Joe Shepherd. You've got Sarah Della Hunter. You've got all of these incredible women who are in really key roles in that town and are really impacting the whole of Southwest Queensland. And yet it's still really blokey. So, so I don't know. That's a whole another podcast for somebody much smarter than me to unpack that. But, yeah, I think we're in, we've are we got incredible women across our region. There is no shortage of that. The shortage
1: is getting their stories out and that's why I love the work that you and your team are doing. Oh, thank you. There's so many amazing stories to be told and I'm so glad that you've mentioned those women and we'll put all of their details into the show notes, um, some references, any of their Twitter handles as well. So what drives you apart from the community and engagement and creating What drives you? What's the what's the big picture, the end goal? Yeah, so I guess it's an interesting question.
2: So I have always been pretty involved in an advocacy perspective. The other thing is being a young woman in agriculture, you often get invited to things because there's not that many of you. So at a fairly young age, I ended up sitting on, you know, federal agriculture, you know, federal agriculture councils of young farmers and things like that. So that was really good experience to see and learn some skills around being strategic, how to get your message across, how to behave in some of those circumstances. So certainly advocacy has always been a piece that I have been involved with, consciously or not. And I think in terms of of a legacy piece, Sarah, for me it is about how can I use my skills, resources, ability to create an environment to help others grow. You know to support others that piece around you know flowers don't worry about other flowers blooming they just bloom um love it. and there's you know i think i think that's the sort of thing so and i think there's really easy ways that we can do that that don't just have to be for the love of it so the other challenge i have sometimes with women's stuff is that we want to do all of these things but we're still doing it as a volunteer or we still are doing it at the expense of other bits and pieces and so Again, if I can use a couple of my own examples, my husband and I started a business with another couple here in Gundawindi. We bought an old accounting building, we renovated it and we rent our offices, small offices for small businesses. So my uh, consulting business rents an office from that space and that worked really well. It's kind of the quantity over quality type thing. We've got lots of little offices, so lots of little businesses can move in. And what we found was there were a lot of women. So a lot of women who were based from home who had got to the stage that they wanted to no longer be at home moved yep. into the business hub. And what we then realised was there was this whole untapped opportunity for retail businesses. So we recently bought an old Queenslander. Uh, it's not new. There's one in Dolby. There's some on the coast. You know, there's some different businesses in other, you know, this, this is not a new idea. Um, but we know the model works and we know it works here. So we bought an old Queenslander, we've done it up, and now we've got shops or, or services in each of the rooms. So we have a hairdresser who is based from home. We have a massage lady. We have a beautician. We have a lady who Frenchie and mint, she makes all of her own earrings and has all of these beautiful products. All of these women were doing this from their back room, front room, in the middle of the night, whatever, whatever. They've been able to quit their day jobs do this as their main job, have a presence down the main street for 150 bucks a week, you know, cheap rent, and the idea being that it kind of acts like a bit of an incubator. Hopefully they tell us they need to move out. Hopefully they grow to a size that they can rent a bigger shop in the main street or somewhere else in town that will keep our main street vibrant. And and, and Oh, that's beautiful. What's the name of it? Our building is called The House 4390. So we I don't we're not on Twitter, but we are on Instagram and Facebook. And so we're, I mean, at the end of the day, we're landlords, right? That's that's technically we is all we are. But again, because of the values of myself and my husband Tony, because of what we want to contribute to our community, we can add these other little bits to the business and still be able to make an income, still make a profit out of these businesses. So that I think,
1: you know, amazing. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Urban Paddock in Dolby. Oh, yes. That is my inspiration. We don't have oh. a coffee shop. We need a coffee shop. need a coffee shop and I'll come out there and hang it in the coffee shop. I really want a day spa one day. Um, oh, well, we definitely have a day spa. You need to look up Sister Sister
2: Co. Okay. There's lots day of Day we have and we've got great coffee. We just don't have great coffee at our, at our house. At yet. the house. So it's
1: the house, four, three. Nine zero. Nine zero. Fantastic. So what challenges have you had in your professional journey? So I think one of
2: the challenges sometime has been just not, I'm using lots of cliches today, Sarah, but that piece around, you know, you can't be what you can't see. So there have been times in my career where I I sort of haven't had somebody around me that I can go to, and particularly a woman in business that I can go to, and, and I found that kind of challenging. I guess that's where I've, you know, relied on men in my network or I've gone further afield, you know, I've I've looked for a network online or something like that that might be able to help me with that. So I have been challenged by not always having finding mentors when I needed them and and so I guess what I would say to my younger self is be more creative about how you track those people down, you know, ask other women who they know to be able to you know get that mentor or that network be more creative about how you find people if you can't see them you know in downtown Mitchell you need to ask a few more questions or you need to look a bit more creatively around how you could find that but certainly that's been a challenge uh, I mean I've had challenges over the years of being taken seriously in the room you know some of that is a little bit imposter syndrome I probably needed to earn my self and my ideas more, and I think that's a that's an age and experience thing. But certainly, I think again, sometimes it's finding that kind um, person in the room who will help make sure that you don't get lost in the crowd. and And I think that's something that's really important for people, you know, if in in president or chair roles or mayor roles or whatever it is. Making sure that all voices are heard and, and and helping people step into that, you know, that being able to talk that truth to power. Um, Love that. And, and I guess the other thing, you know, again coming back to this role of women's networks is. I have found it challenging more recently when I started my own business. You know, it's pretty lonely when you start your own, own business and you can't really talk to the staff about everything. Well, I did and then I turned out I was causing them all humongous amounts of anxiety and they didn't actually want all of the horrid details about how poor we were. So I actually needed to rein that back in a little bit. So the challenge is, you know, I'm not a business fix, women in heels, whatever some of those other business networks are for women. And I have always been a supporter of Queensland Rural Women's Network and they're certainly doing more in the business space, but historically they didn't really. So I didn't really fit there either. And so sometimes there has been a gap in, you know, a woman in regional area, but running a business in the main street. I, I haven't always found a home sometimes. And so I guess the the flip of that is it means that my networks are pretty wide because yes. I find people on Twitter who are doing cool stuff, which is I think how you and I originally crossed paths. And, you know, it makes you, it has made me push out and try and find people somewhere because I, I, haven't, got, I haven't got that group in my own kind of sandbox, if that
1: makes sense. Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent, I think. And looking online as well, as you, mm. as you mentioned, So what are some of the the groups that you follow online?
2: So lots of the ag groups, obviously, women in everything, um, dairy, cotton, whatever, 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 because realistically take away the commodity and we're all dealing with similar issues. Uh, So lots of that sort of stuff. I'm actually involved with E O, which is uh, one of the, it started in Canada, it's a um, it's an organization that where it's women funding women to get into business. So I pay $1,000 dollars a year and I get get to be able to vote on the businesses that I want to support across Australia and New Zealand. And there's a beautiful network that's been created around that. You know, the support that is there through that network is brilliant, and we also get to fund some businesses that will do really amazing things, and particularly uh, businesses that are looking at solving the world's problems, so really linked to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So I I really enjoy that one. Um, Basically. Yeah, look,
1: lots of bits and pieces, really. You mentioned imposter syndrome. Now, this is something yeah. that we're interested in. Imposter syndrome. How do women overcome it? How do we step into our power to be able to talk truth to power? Like this is massive, right? And when you
2: solve this, Sarah, you'll be able to work on the Middle East next because that'll be the only thing left. <laughs>
1: um,
2: look, I think that for me, there is a piece around having the confidence to be authentic and 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 I do think that's a bit of an age thing I think you know I have the imposter syndrome is less of an issue for me now because I'm a bit older and wiser and more confident in myself and I am okay you know I'll be sad for a little bit if you don't like me but I'll survive so I think there's a bit of that I think there yeah I think there's a bit of uh, yeah I think there's a little bit around that clarity of purpose you know if I'm not clear if I wasn't clear on who I am and what I want to do, that would potentially then mean that I get blown all over the place and that would be harder for me to be uh, strong in my own beliefs about what I want to be doing and, and I think that's a, that's a piece. So I'm doing some work at the moment with the Queensland Showgirls and with the Showgirl Society and, you know, most of these women are 19, 20, early 20s and and the show society has decided to put them through a leadership program that I've been um working with them on and i just keep saying oh my gosh you know to have had these conversations at 20 rather than 35 and 40 would just be amazing so i think you know part of this will be solved because i'm just amazed at the at women younger than me you know they are so confident and they are so clear on what they want to do so i think there is a bit of a generational thing there too but I think for me the imposter syndrome is is just being able to have clarity of purpose, how we can be authentic with, it, with ourselves. Um, and Got to I be think authentic
1: that, with others, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think that piece around talking to power, now having been involved with a few groups and having talked to ministers and premiers and whoever else's one, I'm really bad at knowing what any title is. So I will talk to Bob or Mary. I don't I don't realise until far too late that Mary was somebody hugely important and I should have been much more, you know, curtsied and bowed it. Yes. I am a bit notorious at walking out of something and then they go, Oh my God, did you know who that was? And I was like, Nope, I did not. <laughs> But I have told her everything she needs to know about Southwest Queensland, I can assure you. So I think that is part of it. You know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, people are in particularly power. You know, let's talk about government people for a bit. Anybody who's got a representative role, their role is to represent. And, and so therefore, we can offer an opportunity for them to have that information. So I think if we just reframe it a little bit, so... You know, whenever there's politicians around or councillors or board members of something or other, they need to know what you're saying because they need that intel because without that they might not understand what the particular problem for St George or Roma or Dolby is because they don't have anybody representing them there. So so I think if we can flip it and it's not about ego, oh, my God, I got a photo with so-and-so, it's actually I got two minutes and I got to put forward... How drought has actually really impacted us in the Quilby Shire or whatever it is. You know, there's a bigger goal, there's a bigger picture for why that conversation should then happen. And I think women are much better at talking about things on behalf of everybody else and chasing things up on behalf of everybody else. So I think it actually sits better for us if we can frame it in that way. I love that.
1: And yeah, the reframing and I use those opportunities as well. And I think once we take the ego out, it's so much easier because and we on I think about it, we're all people at the end of the day. Sometimes it is just about having those courageous conversations and it gets well, easier.
2: Yeah, I also think we a hundred percent underestimate how connected we are regionally uh, oh, yeah. and how how much stronger and broader our networks
1: are than those people in potential, you know, in perceived seats of power. What could you maybe recommend to an emerging professional in your field? To whom shall they speak or contact, or how would you would yeah. you tweet a politician, for example, or would you write a formal? So certainly, if there is the opportunity
2: to, so so a couple of things spring to mind. One is from a values perspective. I'm always going to want to talk to somebody. We can disagree, but as long as we do it respectfully, yes, I'm I'm okay with that. So, you know, we all know people on social media who are pretty quick to say some comments about politicians. So regardless of what I think, I would never put anything like that because that's not the way that I would want to start a relationship with somebody. So I think, you know... We can disagree respectfully, and I and I think you know we do have a whole lot of different avenues. So we can tweet, we can put things on pages, we can whatever, whatever. There's lots of info at whateverminister.gov.au. So so whatever the avenue is that you want to do, I think is fine because somebody is going to be watching it on the other end. You know, there'll be some advisor or person that's doing that. And I guess that's the other thing is you know there's a lot of people between you and whatever person you're wanting to speak to, you know, politician, minister, whoever it is. So you need to, people need to be aware of that, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I guess the thing for me then is, actually, who is the person that is likely to do what it is that we need? And that's rarely the politician. <laughs> so we actually might want the um, deputy director, we actually might want the executive officer of, we actually might want the CEO of, well, whatever it might be, So, so yes, there's people in power and there's also people who have got a powerful role and do the stuff and and working out the right person can sometimes be the case. So, So, yeah, approach however it is that you want to approach. There's often different ways, you know, if government's looking for submissions on different topics, you know, they actually give you some ways to be able to do that. And there's often a phone number. So I'm notorious for ringing and saying, hi, I'm interested in submitting some ideas around a regional women's leadership you know how is there a particular way that you want that they might say can you fill in this online form or can you send us an email or whatever Uh, but then they've made that connection I can have a chat with them they know they're likely to expect to see something they're not going to remember my name and who I am but they know that there was a lady and they spoke to from Gundawindi you know so so that's the kind of thing I think the piece though that's really important and it's the same for any of us you know I don't mind a whinge and a moan for a little while, but I'm not going to stay in that space for very long and I'm not going to talk to somebody for very long if that's all they bring to the table. So regardless of the topic, you know, what is the problem and we absolutely need to be able to articulate that. But strategically, what's your solution? Chances are they know what the problem is. They've been talking about the same problem, but what they don't know is your solution to how you think that problem could be fixed in your community and that's the bit that they really want to know. So, so, so yeah, we've got a problem with, you know, 50 vacant jobs every week in Gundawindi and we've got a problem with this. That, that problem's everywhere. How do we see, what's the solution that we see around the labour shortage in Gundawindi that we want support with? Because that gives them
1: something they can actually do something about. Does that, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. So go with the solutions where possible and ask the questions. So how do you? This is a this is a big question. Well, I don't know if it's a big question, but where all the reality is, we'll all fail at some stage. How do we deal with it? How would we? How do you deal with something not coming off that you really wanted to come off? Yeah. So.
2: A couple of, a couple of things. I guess one of the, one of the things, you know, when I started my business and I was like, you know, I do not know if this is going to work or not. You know, I still don't know, you know, this could all go belly up in a little while. But the reality of me being unemployed is slim. Yeah. I would find a job somewhere else. I would, Pack shelves at Coles. I would do whatever needed to be done to be able to make sure that I could contribute to my household. So I think as long as I know that that's the that's the base, that's the net, so to speak. If I fall, I know that there's there's an opportunity to to find something else. And and so that's that's kind of step one, I guess, is that I've never not had a job. And 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 it's that piece around, you know, well, what's the history of failure? So. If I had started 10 jobs and I was about to start my 11th, well, maybe then I might be slightly concerned, but I don't have a history of not being employed, so so I would be okay with that. And I think that's the question that I often end up talking to women about particularly is what is, you're worried about X, you're worried about failure, where have you failed historically? Like what has, what failure has occurred in the past? And when we think about it, we actually haven't really had it often. We've had a little bit of embarrassment, that's a bit of ego. We sort of haven't got some stuff that we didn't we that we wanted. It's not the end of the world. So, so you know, often when we talk about where have we failed, it really wasn't. It was a little bit of a stumble, perhaps. But I think this is the piece around, particularly in regional areas and particularly in agriculture, the piece for me is. We need to be able to help people to exit gracefully. So often people will see leaving a family farm or selling a family farm as failure. Well, it's not. If that's not what you want to do, how do we unattach seven generations of farming to Bob and Mary who don't want to be in this business? So how do we help people exit gracefully? For For two reasons. One, if they don't want to be there, they shouldn't have to do that. And two, if that business is not actually going well, there's a whole lot of reasons why that we need to stop that sooner rather than later. Not just for mental health, not just from an environmental perspective. You know, there's a whole lot of reasons why farming business isn't going well. Then we need to help them exit gracefully. And I think I think re, I think Australia doesn't have a good way of dealing with failure, but I definitely think regionally. It's really hard because often it's attached to community and people are t- gonna talk about us and all of that sort of thing. But I think yeah, the, flip the legacy that, you know, the flip of that is though that, you know, in the regions, we are the first people to go, hey Sarah, what do you need? You know, what what do you need to end with? And and we don't sort of take as much we don't we don't think about that as much when things are going badly. But absolutely, I mean I've missed out on jobs that I thought was a shoe-in, which was fairly drastic from a dollar's perspective. You know, we've had, you know, I've had challenges within, you know, relationships within family, I've had friendships break up, all of that kind of thing. So I I mean I think we all have failure to a degree. I I think it's one of those things, though, that it is a little bit the case of it, but doesn't kill kill us, it makes us stronger. And, And we need to look at, well, what's that definition of failure? So we often talk about, you know, what's how do we define success? Equally, how do we define failure? What what does it actually look like? You know, and, and I would struggle to say that I've had anything that substantial happen in my life that I would deem as a massive failure. I've had stuff that I haven't got. I've got, you know, I've had my ego bruised a few times, but
1: look, that doesn't hurt sometimes. I love what you said about failure there and the historical aspect because I hadn't really considered it in that way. And it does help when you flip or reframe as you've been talking about and it builds that resilience i think resilience is a fun word as well but well and and again
2: let's look at women who are wanting to start a business you know what happens if it doesn't work i'm like you've run 10 other people's businesses before why wouldn't your own business work you know you have done x y and z everywhere else fabulously why when it becomes your own thing would it all of a sudden not work you know and and that's, you know, there's a bit of confidence in there. And, again, there's a bit of ego and what happens if and now everybody's looking at me. And and I must admit that was why I didn't put my name in the in the business. You know, I didn't want to be Julia Telford Consulting because that was me a bit too much front and centre. And if something happened, then I was worried about that. But, you know, everybody's going to have their own little thing. But I think, yeah, I think particularly we just, yeah, we just want to own what is actually going on for us and what we're doing it for. So again, you would talk to lots of women as as I do. You know, for, for lots of us, what we're wanting to be able to do is create ourselves a job and a role that can provide some income to the family, that can cover education, that can pay for a school, you know, can pay for a holiday or whatever it is. We don't, we also don't necessarily all need to be the next Canva woman who creates some billion dollar business you know that's also that's not my definition of success you know that's not what I'm you know wanting to do.
1: Yeah and your values are very community centric as well and and about advocating for others supporting others whether that's in business and or in other aspects and I love that I think that's fantastic. So Julia what about women working together have you had any challenges or success stories you'd like to tell us about? Both. <laughs> I think most of us would have had both the challenges and the successes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I
2: think it is a really interesting, uh, really interesting piece of it. And I think when women work together, you know, ain't nothing we can't deal with. And yet we can also be our own worst enemies. And so I'm always really curious as to, you know, if there is tension or conflict or uh, competition or whatever it is. What, why, what, what is that? Because that actually doesn't serve the purpose of us all, you know, creating better communities, having stronger businesses, whatever, whatever. So, you know, I, you know sometimes I think there's that piece around, you know, it's some generational stuff. Sometimes it's women who are a bit older than, than, than you and I who have fought really hard to end up where they are and then all of a sudden it looks really easy for the rest of us that are rolling through. You know, for some, yeah, for some it's it's been that piece of, you know, it's it's a novelty to be the only woman or one of few women around and so if we're not, if there's more of us then we're less special and, and me being the only woman at the table, I actually wanted to hold on to that because I'm special. And again, equally I often have seen lots of times where a woman might get into a position of power in a community organisation and holds on it with dear life because she's got zero power at home and 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 you know so we've uh-huh. we've seen that play out in a few different areas and and that's a challenge you know and so i think the thing is how do we be kind or how do we look at this with curiosity and kindness you know what 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 else might be going on this person is not out to destroy you you know but what else is going on something else has got to yeah. be going on you know so if we can step back enough to have a look at that that just might give us enough to go with and if and if nothing else it helps us be a bit kinder towards whatever situation might be happening so that's right there's always a context there yeah yeah and I think you know yeah when women work together well
1: it's the best thing you'll ever see oh it is it is absolutely and I I keep coming back to this courageous conversation I'd rather somebody have a courageous conversation with me or Let's talk about it, and you can have some amazing friendships emerge from those conversations Mm. that are quite difficult at times. But no, let's work through it. We're all humans, and I think we can just support each other. And yeah, sometimes there's some real challenges with women working together, but there are challenges with does it's regardless of gender, I think as well. Correct. And yeah, and I know some of my triggers. I'm deeply, um, I find competitive behavior deeply problematic. But does that mean that you become a doormat? You know. What, what do you do? Do you sacrifice yourself for others all the time? There's a lot of invisible yeah. labour that we can do. And actually one thing I did want to ask you about was volunteering. In rural communities, um, regional communities as well and remote communities, you see the same people over and over again doing the the work, the committee work, the different volunteering. How do you say no? Look... <laughs>
2: I, I had to get breast cancer to say no, so I am not the best person in, to have this conversation. I, um, I can honestly tell you, and I know this is all about women's leadership, one of the things when I got diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017, I was 38, I was like, oh, thank God, I'm going to be able to finally say no to a few of these groups. And I was oh. like, jobs didn't need <laughs> breast cancer to be able to say thanks but no thanks. I think it's a really good question and maybe this is going to be a bit controversial, but when I actually thought about it in terms of my role, I was there, I stayed too long on some boards because I thought how could they possibly survive without me. I resigned from those roles really quickly because I had to and guess what? <laughs> they were perfectly okay. <laughs> so so I, I actually think sometimes sometimes, this is a little bit. This is where we can sometimes fall into the trap of, um, you know, the world revolves around Julia, and she must poss- she must be at everything, and she must sit at every table because honestly, who else could possibly do it? There's heaps of people that can do that. So, so a couple of things I think with the volunteering, and and you would see it, and I have seen it a lot. We actually, you know, why would anybody join the table if all you do is talk about how hard it is and how many hours you work and how. You know, the world couldn't revolve without, you know, do anything without you. Like who is going to sign up to that? So so I think we need to be really clear about what are the messages that we're giving. I don't think we try very hard actually to look for new people. We just look for other people that look like us and we've always met on the third Tuesday night of the month at 6.30 at the RSL and so therefore, you know, why aren't we getting more women, like I said earlier, come along or you know, nobody who is multicultural gets involved Well, they don't actually feel comfortable sitting at the RSL on a Tuesday night, whatever it might be. So I I actually think we need to do a bit of work around looking at, you know, we're sort of getting there a bit with the flexible work advancements. We need to do the same with some of our organisations. And the other thing controversially is potentially some of our organisations have lived their life. If nobody else wants to join the bandy-wallop Picnic races committee, well, maybe that event or that thing has lived its life. And if, if you know, if you've called, you know, it's a bit the boy who's called Wolf. If you've said for the last three years, if nobody else takes it, I'm I'm not going to do it anymore and you keep saying yes, well, people will just keep letting you do it. So I think we need to create a little bit of tension in some circumstances from a volunteering perspective. And the other piece for me is that I worked on myself was around who else could benefit so if i'm genuinely about providing a spot for somebody i have done my time as a sponsorship coordinator for the local picnic races i know the businesses they know me whatever whatever that's a great job for somebody new to a bank or an accountant or somebody like that to have the role of the sponsorship coordinator so after a year or two, fail and let somebody else do that job because it'll benefit them to be able to stay connected to community. So I think, you know, it is really just about having some of those conversations.
1: Oh, Julia, it's been wonderful to talk to you. You're an inspiration and I hope we have many more conversations and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Yes, very looking forward to seeing you soon. So it will be fun, and we'll be interviewing some people you know on this podcast series, and I'll put everything in the show notes that you've told me today. But thank you so much for your time.
2: Pleasure. And I know I've said it before, but I want to just say it again. Thank you for the work that you and the team are doing, and thanks for having me as part of
1: the program. Thank you, Julia. You're best.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Real Rural Women's Leadership podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd be delighted if you would take a couple of minutes to rate and review our podcast on your chosen listening platform. If you'd like to learn more about this series or get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so via our website at www.realruralwomensleadership.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram accounts.